Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 4, episode 52. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor. Today I'm joined by David Chernick from the Apollo Music Projects. Um, and the Apollo Music Projects bring live classical music to children who might not otherwise have experienced it. Over 11 years, more than 6,600 children have experienced the, the magic of live performance from the classroom all the way through to the concert hall and culminating in a thrilling spectacle of a full orchestra and concert, which is absolutely exactly what the thing I love the most about and what I'm trying to do more and more of. So um, welcome, David, and thanks for chatting with us. So first of all, um, can you give us a little bit of a, a background about, about yourself and, and how the project came into fruition? Yes, I can. Actually, um, just to add to something you already said, it's now 13 years and over 8,600 children. So oh, wow. <laughs> the numbers just keep going up. And before that, I actually started with a pilot program in 1999 that the Arts Council funded in as part of a new audiences program. And we tested it out in a few schools. Then it took five more years to uh, get enough funding to do it properly. But the, the first idea for it was was really when I moved to Hackney, which was um, a lovely area to live in. It wasn't as gentrified as it is now. (laughs) uh, My neighbours all had kids in the local school, seemed like a very nice school. My kids are actually there now. And um, they didn't have the music that we had when we were at school because I, I came to England when I was 10. And all the way through, especially through secondary school I was at a state secondary school in London we had wonderful music we had free music lessons we had free Saturday music we had free London School Symphony Orchestra it was just wonderful and I realized that now kids don't have um, free music lessons on the whole they they have first access lessons sometimes but there isn't the pyramid structure that there was before and music education in schools is is always under threat especially with focus on literacy and numeracy so my idea was to try and see if I could find a way to give the kids in the local schools some music. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to walk to work and I can go to the school and I can play music. And then I extended that further and um, I read a wonderful book by um, about an American program. And uh, they had actually been, it was a wind quintet who was resident in a school, worked with the teachers, worked on any subject bringing music into it and they had the most extraordinary results and they described some of their methods which I sort of thought I could try here um so it was really testing it out testing out the idea and um we started in four schools and then now we're up to 22 so uh yeah it's very exciting really and and so where did your passion of music come from was it purely from your experience that you had going through the school system and like I said with with everything in place I, I can really relate to that that's how I became a professional musician was sort of seeing how you could develop and getting that ex- first-hand experience all the way through yes I think it's uh, what it's done working in music in this way is to made me make me think about what it means to be a musician and why do we care so much about music why do we want our kids to have the chance to play music and and other children and um and I think it's partly as a musician yourself, you have that passion. And then sometimes when you're 
becoming a professional musician and trying to find your place and uh, something that you enjoy doing. It's not always enjoyable. It's not always easy. And um, uh, I think it's sort of trying to get to the essence of what is it about music that really makes it so special and so inspiring. And one of the things I thought about was that so much of music is in this sort of framework of um, playing the music that uh, it's, it's sort of played in such a way that only people who know about that music already can really understand it, sitting quietly in the concert hall, reading the program notes, all that side of it, which I love personally, but it's not for everyone. A lot of people I knew, a lot of adults, um, very afraid of music. They say, oh, I, I, I don't mind listening to it in the background, but I wouldn't go to a concert. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know when to clap. I wouldn't know anything about it. I'd, I'd feel ignorant. So I think um, there's so many things for me that fed into that. One of one of the things was living for a year in New York where I was studying cello at the Juilliard School, living with my uncle, who is a a doctor. And he had this has this wonderful ability to ask what we call a stupid question. Say, okay, well, why are there four people in a string quartet? What does the conductor actually do? You know, how many instruments, he wouldn't say how many instruments are a string quartet. I think he could probably work that one out. But <laughs> you know what I mean, it's the sort of questions that you're embarrassed to ask because you think the music is something that you're supposed to be educated to understand. So, so that was great. And I could ask him any question about medicine and without feeling stupid. And um, so that was a, that was an interesting point. And then it was when I was on tour with the Guildhall Strings, which I played in for several happy years, and we toured all over the world. And if we were playing in a village in Greece or somewhere in a small town in India to people who clearly had never heard classical music before, they would be at their quietest and at their most um, attentive at exactly the same point in the music where an audience in Wigmore Hall would be. So you think... You know, those special moments in, in a piece of music where it's at its quietest or it's the peak of the tension before it resolves and so on. How can they get that when they have no education in music at all? They've never even seen a violin. And you think, okay, well, that proves that it is inherent in the music. These feelings, these emotions, the the structure, the all of the things that composers put into the music, they're all incredibly basic and that means anyone can understand them. So so my job then is to see, okay, how do we identify those those points and how do we relate them to children's own experiences and understanding? And so what you do is you have to pick the music that, that works. It can't be too sort of complicated. And some music is, is written for people to look at and say, well, isn't that clever? And, you know, I didn't understand that till I heard it eight times and so on. We can't do that. that that's, there's no time for that. But it's what you find is that if you pick the music which you love the most and which you understand and are inspired by, by the composers you really care about, then you can communicate that to children. You find the points, you help them see what's going on, and, and it, it really gets through very, very quickly. I really like the fact that, um, and, and that's that's the reason I... I do what I do, um, especially as a musician, is the fact that there's the essence there that you can't necessarily communicate in words and music brings that out and it makes people and children especially identify with something bigger 
than what they can see on the surface of life. And I think understanding that there's more to everything going on here is a really good in just to kind of, like you say, take away some of those layers of life is about learning maths and English, you know, and, and, and while those things are incredibly important, just knowing that it's about how you feel, about connecting with something in a way which is different than just an academic idea. Um, I think that just opening that door and giving them that experience is just absolutely invaluable. Yes, I love the way you've put that. and That's absolutely right. There's so many different angles to this that, that really make it work. I mean, one of them is in the music itself. It's, it's the children's response to the music that is the most important. So it's, like you say, it's an emotional thing. It's, it's opening their minds to the idea there's something beyond what you can explain. And children love that. They do it with reading. They do it with film. They do it with, you know, why do children love Harry Potter? It's, it's not real. It's not the real yeah. world. In the real world, you can't walk through a, a brick wall. But why can't you? You know, it's the same thing. There are things that you can't, um, you know, you feel this this feeling while you're hearing the music. And you see people in concentrating, playing it in this incredibly, um, I don't know, is a sort of, it's not serious, but it's concentrated. That That's one of the things you have to get across. It's it's focus. It's It's intensity. And they see people playing with this intensity, and they just, think hang on a minute what's going on and they become part of that and you're sort of communicating that and it, it it helps children who maybe struggle with with numbers struggle with writing and but actually when they hear music they suddenly can tell a story we've had that several times kids who um the teachers actually said well now i know how to help him write a story because he has not been able to do it all year and then we play him a piece of music and say well what do you see or what do you imagine when you hear that and this boy tells a whole story and the teacher said right thanks i know what to do now yeah that's absolutely fantastic and and that's the thing about giving children experiences isn't it because as educators and as adults you know we don't know what it is that's going to light their fire or, or get them to connect in a way um, with themselves that they can express themselves and so having these opportunities which is exactly what you're doing going into to give the opportunities to these children is just something that well I personally think every child should have the opportunity to do but um, we know with current funding and, and the way the system was in place like you said with the first access now it's sort of the initial stage that not every child does get to get that so um, so I think it's a, such a fantastic thing that you actually do. Um, can you take us through a little bit about how the project works do you go into into the children's classrooms only or is there a progression between that initial contact all the way through as, as I said at the beginning you know to a concert hall how does the whole thing sort of fit together um yeah well that that's one of the things i think that makes what we do unusual i don't think anyone else i haven't come across anyone else anywhere <laughs> who does things the same way we do and that most music projects will do one or the other either an orchestra will put on a concert for kids go to schools and introduce it probably but then it's a concert experience and other music projects take place in schools we do both so the idea is that we go into each classroom, um, work with the whole class, so everyone is involved, whatever they're, um, you know, whether they they know anything about music, whether they're uh, they have behavioral issues, whatever. Everyone is part of it, and we work with each class six times. So they will hear string quartet. Um, that's the basic the basic group which I run. They will also have a wind quartet and a brass quartet. And in each case, we're introducing the instruments, we're 
taking apart the music we're we're sort of playing different styles of music to them and one of the key things we do is to to play parts separately so you'll have a, a passage of music you're looking at the sort of drama in the music or the conversational way the composer uses the instruments or textures but then you you actually take a passage you stop and you play one part at a time and ask the kids very focused questions you know who played first what can you hear why did we do why did the composer do that why did beethoven play uh, have us all play and then stop what happens when it stops it's not you know and someone will say because you're tired and actually we've only just played about half <laughs> of music so. <laughs> It's very nice of them. But someone will always say, because you don't know what's going to happen next, so therefore it's dramatic. Yes. And immediately you say, Beethoven's setting that out right from the beginning, that it's dramatic. Now, you can you can analyze that. Um, Charles Rosen was very good at that, saying that everything in a classical sonata form movement is in the first phrase. The first phrase will tell you what can be done with the rest of it and so on. We don't have to go into that sort of detail. We just say, well, why did he do that? And he said, well, the kids will say, because it's dramatic, therefore, the rest of the piece they will listen to with that in mind. Um, so then we do that the six times. <clears throat> and in the middle of that program, which takes place over a couple of terms, the kids will all come out, say, three or four schools at a time to a chamber orchestra workshop. So around 200 kids. In we've managed to find some wonderful venues which are close to the schools, uh, which are often old town halls that are no longer used as town halls, but they become art centers or multi-use buildings. Some of these absolutely beautiful halls and uh, the kids walk past them and don't know they're there. So there's that element as well of sort of entitlement. That sure, they yeah. have. They're allowed to hear this music. They're allowed in these buildings. They're allowed to get up close to expensive instruments and not touch them and, you know, but but listen to them. And um, and so then they're getting the, the sort of concert experience, but it's still intimate because they know the players. At the end of the session, they go up and talk to different people and and uh, some people even let them try their instruments and so on. Um, and they're also listening to longer and longer pieces of music. So. Then we go back to the classroom, and by the after the chamber orchestra workshop, the next session we do, the listening is so intense. It's incredible. It's absolutely this sort of pin-drop silence, I think because they kind of get the point of it. Once they see all the instruments playing together, it's like, wow, that really makes sense. And they can hear everything because we've kind of taught them how to do that, hear the separate parts and and follow the story and the music. So. It, it's a sort of friendly experience. And then at the end, we, all of the schools come to a concert at Hackney Empire with a full symphony orchestra. And again, they're, they're drawn into that. They can follow the instruments. It's not a foreign experience, and, and it really works. And what I love about that is the fact that it's a real great combination of learning experience and bringing the whole together rather than just 
like you say, here's a one-off concert. Wasn't that really nice? We really enjoyed the music, but it comes and goes really quickly. You know, having that ongoing learning, that ongoing experience of being up close and personal with an instrument and also a musician as well, for that matter, um, to then being able to see how all that flows through to then there is nothing quite like sitting in a concert hall with a symphony orchestra playing something. And But actually, like you say, having that direct understanding of, but I've seen that person or I've seen that instrument. I understand where the music's going. And I think as a whole project, it's such a, such a fantastic way a fantastic way of doing it um in in terms of the musicians themselves and, and the symphony orchestra at the end are they people that is it your symphony orchestra is it people that you book or, or do you work in tandem with somebody else well yes up to this point it is it is my orchestra the apollo chamber orchestra and um people we who have sort of joined from from being in the in the program and um Obviously, if in the future we expand and we're working in different parts of the countries, we, we would you know be delighted to work with other musicians as well and sort of train them in what we do and our methods and, and how we can really capture the attention of the kids just the way you described. It's, that's sort of the, the, the key point of it is that the personal thing. So, so you're taking an experience which is of sitting in a concert. Of course, there's a wow factor of being in this amazing space. But if the kids don't know the people, haven't met the people, haven't seen the instruments up close and haven't uh, learned how to sort of follow the music, they'll just look around at all the chandeliers and just keep not focusing on the music. So so it is that that personal thing. And I think it's what we found is that almost by by osmosis, by sort of playing in the sessions, the musicians come to think about music in a slightly different way and to perform in a different way to notice different things so we're actually noticing what the kids are noticing so when i when i hear a piece of music or play one myself i'm always thinking about this the kind of things we're getting across to kids and that that affects how we communicate some of the things that you don't realize you're doing like making a very serious face okay you don't have to grin in fact, it's better if you don't, but, but you do have to sort of allow yourself, allow your facial expressions to relax a bit and not and not, and not be so serious in, in, in your expression because that can put people off. So if the music is uh, beautiful, you're allowed to just sort of relax your face and have a little tiny smile and and so on and look at each other a bit more, communicate. Not we can do anything without looking as musicians, but sometimes it's nice to just sort of make eye contact, let the kids see that you're making eye contact because otherwise they they don't really know how you do it absolutely and and what I love about that from a a professional musician's point of view is the fact that as a profession we're very much um while it's very collaborative because we're playing with lots of people, it's very um, individually focused as well it's about what am I doing with me how is this affecting me what am I doing here and it's only when you can do exactly what you just said and think but I'm not just doing it for myself I'm doing it with other people but I'm also doing it for my audience and then all of a sudden when that becomes your sort of focus and your sort of understanding your sort of um your ability to let go and actually play I think actually really improves as well Yes, that's absolutely right. And uh, it's uh, uh, there was something I went to an um, open rehearsal Gustavo Dudamel did at the Barbican, and he said something which I thought was absolutely brilliant. He said that when we rehearse, he was saying this to the audience, we rehearse, it's basically a conversation between the music and us. 
you know, the musicians and the music. And we're, you know, expressing the composer's intentions. We're communicating with each other and so on. But then you come, then the audience comes, and then there's a triangle. And without that, the music doesn't exist. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. The audience, so I, sometimes I tell the kids when, you know, we're trying to get across this idea of listening as being an active thing. So it's your mind is active, obviously, but also you have a role to play. It's not the music is not being played at you. It's being played for you. And you are a part of that. And what you do as an audience, this whole idea of being quiet, you know, you want kids to be quiet, not because you said be quiet, but because they want to hear what comes next. And the better they listen, the more they're able to hear that. But also that their job is to create the silence that the music can grow out of, because without silence, there can't be music. And that is their job. And they love that. They absolutely love helping us to play music and helping us to hear each other. Yeah, that's that's really insightful understanding, isn't it? And I can really see how, like you say, from something which people then perceive to be passive, as in I'm just here watching you do what you do, to actually be an integral part. I love the triangle idea of the three-way, um, everyone being as important as each other, really, in order to get the full experience, whether you're the musician um, or in the audience. I think that's that's a brilliant way of putting it. I'm, I'm really glad you, you shared that with us. That's fantastic. How does the project work in terms of have been able to be funded i mean it's obviously not something which every borough or every part of the country has access to so so how far is your reach at the moment and how is that funded and and do you have any plans to expand it further afield well at the moment we're in um five london boroughs we started in hackney we're also now in haringey islington camden we've also been in waltham forest and tower hamlets we're in as well um and the one of the key things about it, we're, uh, the aim is to um, focus on areas of disadvantage. So areas where possibly lower income areas, poss- obviously that changes all the time, but it, it's where children don't have access to sure. school music. So, so that it's a sort of broad thing. Um, but the uh, important thing is that partly because we think this is the way it should be, but also because of the realities of school budgets and so on. Um, It's very heavily subsidized. So each school will pay a fee, which equates to about a fifth of the total cost to us of delivering the program. Um, Because obviously you've got the organization's administration, but you have musicians and musicians are all paid properly. And, um, you know, a symphony orchestra is an expensive thing. So, uh, it's up to us then to raise the rest of the money. And that comes from trusts and foundations, the arts council, individuals. Um, and we're try- we're hoping to develop some, some corporate links to have companies supporting us. And so that's a constant process. It's very hard, but we've managed to do it so far and to grow every year. Um, the next step, really, I mean, ideally, in an ideal world, the Department for Education would see this and see how it benefits children and, and you know, music in general. Would, would They would say, this is such an important thing. We're going to put some money in and this is going to be in every school in the country in one way or other. I don't see that happening. So um, what we need to do is to um, really to show funders that what we're doing is of such benefit that they should really get behind it, and and many of them do. Um, in terms of expanding, 
that's what we're looking at at the moment. And the the question then is how far can we reach with while keeping the um, essence of the program and keeping it as an Apollo program rather than just something that people can do in any number of different ways wherever they happen to be. So so it's sort of working out how we do that, how we fund it, how we train people, how we, um, you know, establishing to what extent different uh, areas of the country might actually want to have this program. So we're looking into all of that at, at the moment. So if there are um, schools out there that are listening to this and thinking, that just sounds like the exact thing I need to give my children, um, it's the best thing for them to do to contact you through your website? Um, and, and can you give those, that, 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 those contact details there? And I should also say it'll be on, on the Education on Fire show notes as well. But j- just so they've, they've got an idea of where to go and, and what the process would be for them actually to be able to to be able to take part yes that, absolutely if they contact us it's www.apollomusicprojects.org and the email address is info at apollomusicprojects.org um and the way it would have to work is we we can't go to a single school in a, a new area because obviously you then have to if you're going to have the chamber orchestra workshops, you have to have a group of three or four schools that can all go to the same venue. Sure. Um, simply with, similarly with the symphony orchestra concerts, that's a difficult sentence. <laughs> you, we need to have say around eight schools. So maybe it's, it's sort of working on the idea of clusters and that could be, if there is an individual school who is interested, that could be them looking and saying, well, okay, what group of schools do we have that we work with? Or should we put you in touch with the music hub who actually run all the music and know which school is which and know uh, who, who's expressed an interest, who has a need, or it might be the local education authority. And then beyond that, it's a question of funding and logistics. Is there a company in that area who would back this? Is there a funder based in that area who who would support it? And then the next stage for us, and this may be a year or two down the line, would be to see how we work the you know, how we find the musicians, whether they travel from our base or whether we work with local musicians. You know, what music is like professional musicians travel all over the place. But we we also want to extend this idea that I have benefited from of being able to walk to work occasionally that that does make a big difference doesn't it when you are sort of that close and and also it starts to bring communities together you know and, and especially if you've got local musicians working with local schools that 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 has a nice feel about it and i think also that the able the connection side of it as well because you're sort of you understand the same landscape and and the same area and i think there's a that kind of essence of well, that could be me if it happens to be that a child thinks you know what, I really enjoyed this I'd really like to see whether I could have a go or, or where it might lead I think having that initial connection is uh, is really important so that yeah I, th- I think that's a really really important takeaway there so on your website you have a, a members area and I know you have some trustees and things and and how do you go about um, well, I guess first of all, sort of getting people on board to be a trustee or, or to sort of help you in that regard, and um, and and what's the members area? Is that people that take part, or is that um, people that are supporting you in another way? Well, the the members area on the website is just so that there's a teacher section and a musician section. So that's 
informations on the the schedules and the the travel and the school addresses and uh, resources for teachers so that that's the sort of nobody else really needs to look at that but in terms of trustees and friends we have a friends organization which is <coughs> armando you excuse me armando yunucci is our president of the friends he's a great supporter and our patron along with simon rattle and um so people can join us as friends and uh that's a really wonderful way of supporting us and, and uh coming to see what we do and and uh, supporting our work and then in terms of trustees um it's just a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I didn't start out thinking I would work in the voluntary sector, and I, and I have been for all these years, and I know an awful lot about it. And I think the voluntary sector is is a wonderful sector. People really support each other, really work together. There's so many organizations out there to help us. And um, that includes helping to find trustees, helping to put people who want to be trustees together with charities who are looking for trustees. So it's sort of networks really. And the, um, just recently we've in the last year, we've had four new trustees. We had, uh, I think we had two left and then, you know, increased the number. So it's, it's just sort of finding the people who are interested and, and seeing what skills they have that they can bring to us. And, um, I, I find it very exciting. It's, it's, uh, it's challenging you know you need to get the right balance you need to get the right people and uh i think there's so many different ways you can do it there are charities who have a board that that really just rubber stamps things and doesn't get too involved then there are others where the trustees are incredibly involved and and uh it's just sort of as as the organization grows and the uh staff and executive becomes bigger and stronger you have to have a, a clarity of roles, but you also need support and the trustees are there to support and to guide and to make sure the charity carries out its charitable aims and manages its budgets and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. And it's a really important foundation, isn't it? Especially as you were saying, in terms of expansion and wanting to, um, move further out of london or, or whether you can expand really into the whole country you know you, you you'd need that foundation and understanding and support in order to make sure like you say that it goes in the direction that you want to and it's essentially your project that is being able to be expanded rather than just doing it for the sake of it and um i, th- I, th- I think that's a, that's a really important point that actually when you've got the foundations in place then everything else is possible it's always very difficult especially in this in this industry in terms of getting the funding you need because these things are expensive but if you're doing it in the right way um and it's it's as exciting and and as important as your project is i i I just think it's uh yeah it's um it's a it's a brilliant thing and and i really hope that there's someone listening who may be connected to uh, a company or an organization that has access to funds that can really help you and support you to, to make it grow in, and have the vision that you want it to do in, and affect as many children as possible. Well, that would be absolutely fantastic. And that that is what it's about. It's about, I and mean, one of our trustees was, uh, they were having the conversation recently, well, do we want it to grow? You know, we're doing really well. We've got 1,200 kids a year. It's Everyone thinks it's great. It's really wonderful. Why don't we just keep doing that? And the answer was, well, I didn't join the organization to just do the same thing. If it's that good, which we think it is, then every child should have the chance to benefit. And, uh, you know, I would, obviously I, I can't 
I'm not sort of saying I think that our project should be in every school in in the country. That it's not something we would even want, but that every school should have music. Every school should have music programs, and this should be one of the options or or similar programs. And in terms of our our own reach, um, I think it's it's partly one of the things I'm very excited about with the next phase. I've I've always led the workshops myself, and um, a, a lot of my colleagues are now saying, well, you know, I'd like to do that, and I think I could do it really well. And so we're going to be training our existing musicians, growing our workforce of workshop leaders, and then, you know, for each person who uh, currently works with me who is then able to do schools, they could do four schools or eight schools themselves. And that would then bring in other musicians. So it's also about, you know, if you think of um, music graduates now, and there's so much pressure on them and, and you know, to to find, find a, a career and to find places to play and so on. And um, I think they need help as well. And they need guidance. They need new opportunities. And also this way of thinking about music, it's it's gets you away from the pressure of, having to play every note perfectly and doing competitions and so on, because it's focusing again on the essence of music and on communication. And, and I think uh, a lot of musicians would be very happy to, to be a part of that. I think that's that's a great place to finish because I think that is that is indeed the essence of everything and and I think music is the perfect thing for that and to support children in that kind of way. So David, thank you so much for chatting to me and I'm, I'm really excited about the project and I'd like to find out more and I'd certainly like to come and actually see some of this in action if you don't mind me coming to have a look. And I wish you well for the future and, um, and I hope it expands and grows in a way that um, enables you to touch as many children as possible. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I will definitely make sure you can come and see one of our sessions. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.